This is for the builders, the bold ones who speak their dreams out loud and continue to face failure. This is for the difference makers and the imperfect action takers. This is for the visionary rule breakers, the wild ones who dream a better world and believe in something greater. This is for the movement starters and the trailblazers. This is for the daring creators, the resilient ones who pave their own path and trust life's flow. This is for the answer seekers and truth speakers. This is for the courageous leaders, the brave ones who won't give up and surrender when it's time to let go. This is for the movers and the shakers. This is for the freedom chasers, the unapologetic ones who are unshakable and have nothing to prove because they are enough. This is for the builders who build with love. So imagine this, after years of struggling to find your way in different careers and trying out business ideas, you create something that explodes in the best of ways. A business serving thousands of people, tens of thousands of people, generating a great living and security and possibility, an amazing channel of expression. And then over time, you realize you bought into a way of doing things that went against the very essence of who you were and how you want to live. And you started to feel called to do something entirely different. Would you walk away from that success, trusting once again that joyful lightning could in fact strike twice without even knowing what your next move would be? Well, that is exactly the question today's guest and my dear friend, Jada Selner, faced after co-founding and growing Simple Green Smoothies into a viral phenomenon and a flourishing seven-figure business in an astonishingly short period of time. She did the unthinkable. She exited the business, selling her interest and bet on herself. And her belief that she could figure out how to craft her living once again in a way that better fit her evolving values, her lens on life and approach to service, leaving behind the never stop working hustle culture approach and betting on creativity and love. Jada is a best-selling author, a business coach, international keynote speaker, poet, and host of the Lead with Love podcast. She's the founder of Jada Selner Media and she builds collective. And in her day-to-day, Jada's really on a powerful mission to help women build their businesses and lives in a way that works for them. And she is also the co-author of the best-selling book, Simple Green Smoothies. And her new book, She Builds, The Anti-Hustle Guide to Grow Your Business and Nourish Your Life. She introduces a framework for women entrepreneurs to create a business on their own terms that we dive into in our conversation today. And together, Jada and I, we explore her journey to entrepreneurship, the success that she's amassed, and we dive deeper into what it really takes to create multiple thriving businesses the way that she did, all without sacrificing her health or her family or her livelihood and her values around space, creativity, self-care, And yes, at the center of it all, love. So excited to share this conversation with you. I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Good Life Project. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. 
BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Good Life Project is brought to you by Understood Explains, a podcast that's like a beacon for parents navigating the special education system. Hosted by Juliana Urtube, a special education expert, this season is all about individualized education plans, or IEPs. Juliana breaks down complex topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP in a way that's easy to grasp. I checked out an episode of Understood Explains about the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, and I was struck by the balance of empathy and practical advice. It's not just about understanding the system. It's about empowering parents and caregivers to advocate for their children, which is just so important. So I've known a number of people who've had to literally scramble to figure out how to advocate for their kids when the system seemed to just make it so hard to get the support that they need and deserve. So if you're a parent navigating this world or even just wondering if it's right for your family, I encourage you to give Understood Explains a listen. Search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. It's like having a roadmap for a journey you didn't expect, making it a little less daunting. Tata Selner, it is so awesome to be hanging out with you. We go back away now. Um, we've been rolling together in various shapes and forms, friends and families, business ventures. I've been incredibly blessed to have you as a part of the Sparked Brain Trust in our sister podcast, offering wisdom on, on the world of work and careers. When you first came to me and you're like, okay, I'm writing this book, I was super jazzed because I know there's so much different wisdom bottled up in your head and your heart that especially at this moment in time, the world really needs. And I was super curious to see what was going to come out. And when I saw the book, finally, I was like, ooh, this is a lot of juicy, really good stuff, both on an idea level and then on the nuts and bolts practical, like how do you live this on a day-to-day level? So I want to dive into a whole bunch of those ideas. Before we do that, um, it occurs to me that some of our fantastic listening community may not be aware of some of the bigger moments of the journey that got you to this place. When you and I first met, I think it was right when you... And an old friend of yours had envisioned this thing called Simple Green Smoothies that kind of exploded into the public consciousness. So take me back a little bit into what that was and how it actually came to be. And we'll trace a little bit of the journey to this moment. Yeah, I think it's so beautiful that it's almost been a decade since we have known each other. And you were one of my mentors from afar, you know, listening to the podcast when it was video only Mm. back in the day. And it was 2013 when I decided to come to a two-day event with you. And in that time, we had just done $86,000 in 10 days, and my life was flipped upside down. And at that time, my husband was able to quit his full-time job, and Jen Hansen and I, we co-founded Simple Green Smoothies, which was not supposed to be a business. We thought we were going to have this thriving parenting mommy blog that never made any revenue. And I had been an entrepreneur starting a brick and mortar business before that. And George and I, it was called Little Sprouts Playhouse in Kauai. It was something where we had Zoe by our side. Really, it was 2008 and 
the economy was crashing at that time. We were in a recession. And that was one of the reasons why I connected so deeply with your work, because you had started your first brick and mortar business during a very intense season that was going on in the world. And so when I started that business, the brick and mortar, I really wanted to build something where I could have my daughter by my side and really thinking we could build something meaningful and be a service of the community. But it didn't ended up being $42,000 in credit card debt. So it actually didn't help us get the financial freedom that we needed. But I was really committed to how can I find a way to build meaningful work while also having my child by my side. And so I was on this journey, this exploration of really trying to find how do I balance or integrate this life of business and meaning and contribution as well as being present with my daughter. So We moved in with my in-laws, which is hashtag worst case scenario where we weren't able to really figure out what that next thing was. And Simple Green Smoothies was just a bit of an accident where a friend of mine said, why don't you post your green smoothie recipes on Instagram? And I was very resistant. You know, I, while we were on Twitter, we were on Facebook and all of these things. I decided to post the recipes with all the resistance and In that, my friend said, I'll give you a shout out. And we grew our following to 800 followers. And I was just like, yes, that's, you know, we're on on a roll. And just for context, this was the pretty early days of Instagram. You guys were very early on this platform. Now everybody looks at it. It's like this global, like massive thing. And But you were really early to sort of like saying, oh, there's something interesting happening here. Yeah, absolutely. And in that time, I was falling in love with the platform of actually connecting and engaging with the community online. So it wasn't about looking at our post. I think we were only posting two recipes a week, but we ended up hosting a free 30-day green smoothie challenge. And that grew from, you know, 800 followers to 30,000 followers, and then growing our email list to a substantial amount from there. And so really just doubling down on what's working and stopping what's not. Um, But it was a lot of trial and error to get to that place. But I would say the core foundation of how we built that business was from a place of love. So this is interesting, right? Because when you and I first started talking, which I can't believe it was almost a decade ago at this point, I was watching from afar what you were doing. And yeah, like I was just like, I don't understand how this is. What's happening behind this? Like, what is the, what's being gamed here? What's what's the marketing? Like, are they spending a gazillion dollars to make this like huge thing just explode into this global community? And your numbers like shot up across every metric. And then, you know, I learned that you're actually building a really substantial company around it and business and revenue stream. And I think. I may get this wrong, but I think I reached out to you and I was kind of like, what's what's happening? <laughs> and and you kept saying variations of, it's all about love, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no, but what's really happening? <laughs> and you just keep going back to it. There was no paid advertising. We didn't have affiliate promotional partners online. You know, when you're building a business online, it's a little bit different than building a brick and mortar. But it truly was, I had more time than I had money. And I had a whole lot of love to give. And so for everything, even our signature sign-off was peace, love, and leafy greens. It was just really, for me, how I look at business today is using vehicle as an expression of love, of generosity, of making people feel seen, acknowledged, and heard. And so the love that I want to receive for myself, whether inside a company or outside, I'm pouring that into the businesses that I built. 
so this becomes, you know, like a really meaningful business and, and a couple years in, you know, you have an opportunity to exit, which you do. It's an interesting moment because a lot of people figure, you know, like, okay, so I just did something fantastic. I exit, you know, I'm just filled with purpose and joy and like, but not just for you, but for almost anyone, like when you wake up the next day, oftentimes there are more questions and it can actually be a bit of a dangerous window just from a personal standpoint. For you, that was an interesting moment from what I recall. I think one, I was wearing entrepreneurial golden handcuffs and building something that was so successful on the outside, but also feeling my heart being called in another direction. Mm. And I was so torn. I mean, when I met you in 2013, I wanted to do the work that I'm doing right now in 2013, but you're like, hold your horses. Let's slow it down. Let's not destroy everything that you build. And so really learning how to be a little bit more intentional about my my timing and my spacing of moving on to that next step. And one of the things for me exiting Simple Green Smoothies is my heart, even though it didn't make sense on paper and everyone thought I was crazy, like, what are you doing? Letting go of that. I I just felt like I knew that I was being called in another direction and the timing was here. And I remember after leaving Simple Green Smoothies, I went on a vacation to Japan in Tokyo and Kyoto with my family. And it was actually the first vacation that I ever took since being an entrepreneur where I didn't bring my laptop with me. And so I was fully present and engaged with my family, but also I was holding this paradox of, well, now what do I do? Like feeling in that sense of identity crisis, who am I? What am I? What value do I have to offer the world? So I was testing and experimenting different offerings, but I did feel this like, oh, what did I just do? And also feeling really excited, expansive and free. So I just know anytime that we make the leap of where our heart is calling us to next, we're still going to feel a little bit of that trepidation of, did I make the right decision? Did I do the right thing? Can I rebuild again? And I just keep leaning back on what you shared with me was, You know, I'm saying, am I crazy for wanting to leave this company? And you're like, you are asking the wrong question. And the question is, can magic strike twice? And the answer is yes. And for me, that was exactly what I needed to believe in myself, that I could walk away from one thing and step into something new and trust myself. So that's been a big part of my journey is rebuilding that self-trust that I'm able to build something in a way that works for me. Yeah, I love that. And it's interesting, right? Because we're having this conversation at a moment in time where so many people are thinking about, well, well, okay, so I have said yes to certain opportunities for the last 5, 10, 15, 20, for my, maybe my entire working life. And there's been a bargain that's been involved in that. You know, and I've been okay with that bargain or maybe not okay, but really just didn't want to deal with the possible repercussions of ending that bargain and trying to figure out what is the bargain that I want to make with the way that I bring myself to the world of work for the rest of my life, or at least for the next season, right? Yeah. But now we're in this moment where the world has been turned upside down. Whether people are voluntarily just saying, this feels like a good time to re-examine this, or they've been forced into it, um, everybody is in this moment of saying, okay, so the bargain that got me here isn't necessarily the bargain that I want to get me there. And so many people who have been 
largely working full-time jobs or some combination of, you know, like part-time jobs, you know, they're looking and they're thinking, is this the moment where I explore the world of entrepreneurship? Whether that means a solopreneur starting a private practice, starting a bigger business, a service business, a product business, whatever it may be. A lot of people are stepping into this question right now. And on the one hand, I think that's amazing. And you and I are both not believers necessarily that that's the path for everyone. For some people it is, and for some people it isn't. You're actually like, you can get everything that you need, like within a larger organization or another container. I'm actually curious what your take is on this now, because we haven't actually talked about sort of like that dance in quite a while. What's your take on sort of like how people would explore this question of even, does this path feel interesting or right to me, especially at this moment? Yeah, I think that there's something that we have to think about in how we're showing up in our day to day. So thinking about the conversations that you're having at home outside of how you're showing up in your work and whatever that may look like. And so something that I notice, if I start to complain about something over and over again, this little ping, and I'm, that's not my normal way of operating or showing up, then I know that that's a moment to evaluate what's happening here. And can I shift and change what's here without needing to leap or exit right away. And that was something that I I learned from you as well of really trying to figure out how can I use the current company that I'm in to express myself more fully or to be fulfilled or have my needs met. So really looking at what is it that I really want and how do I ask for it in the current context that I'm already set up in. So instead of feeling like escape, leave, go, flee, we don't have to shut everything down right away. Let's see what we can play with in this current situation that we're in. I think that's a powerful practice and starting to communicate and express within where you are currently. And then I like doing test pilot experiments on the side, you know, so it's your your day job is your cash project. That's, you know, making sure that there's food on the table, that your needs are met, that you're providing for your loved ones and yourself And then we have the heart project where we can start to carve out micro bits of time to try something else on. And so that's the dance that I still like to do to this day of like, okay, what's my fund raiser? Like, what's the fun thing that I can do to make some money to fund the thing that I really want to do? And it could be an hour or two hours. For me, I would set aside two hours on a Monday afternoon from 2 to 4 p.m. and just work on my heart project. And just try things on to see, is any of this landing? Because oftentimes we can see something or a little bit peanut butter and jelly or jealous of something that someone else has. And so to me, that's a signal of, I need to try that on and see if I actually want that. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we think we want something because we see someone else doing it. And then we do it and it's actually not as fulfilling. And so that's why I don't like making that immediate leap into the next thing because we actually don't know what we want. So there's a little bit of asking ourselves those deeper questions of what do I really want? What is energizing me? What is lighting me up? But then there's also the experimentation part of actually physically getting out in the world, using our hands and seeing if this is actually something that we want to pursue even further. Yeah, that makes so much sense to me. It's sort of like, I think we look at what other people are doing and often we see only the parts that we want to see. (laughs) Um, I remember you know, in, in, back in a past life when I was transitioning out of the law and, and running similar sort of like pilot experiments, I loved hiking. I loved rock climbing. I loved mountain biking. I was like, wouldn't it be cool to have a company where I was guiding people doing this? 
so we, we ran a couple of sample trips and by the end of, I think like the third one, I was like, oh, I want nothing to do with this. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> right. I, w- I was like, I want to be on these trips, you know, and I would even work for somebody else, but I, I didn't want to end up actually like it just, it took the part that I loved most from that activity and it stripped the joy from it for me. Yeah. And I realized this is a pursuit. It's a passion. It's a devotion but it's not the thing that I want to center and try and like force it to earn my living and turn it into a company or a business. Yeah. And I think that's really important to name that sometimes we think do work that you love, right? Do what you love. And then it becomes a job and something that you have to show up for, you know, 9am to 5pm that it can actually strip the joy. And that's why we really do have to redefine what it is that how we want to be spending our time and, yeah, I just think that's such an important conversation and distinction to think about where are we and how we want to actually spend the time and how we're showing up in our work and our lives. And sometimes we turn our creative expression or our hobbies into something we get paid for. And it does. It does take all the joy and just now it's a have to and a should. And now you don't have this place to have some sense of relief and relaxation to sink into because it's it's a sh- you have to show up for it now to get paid. Yeah, no, I think it's so true. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Good Life Project is sponsored by NetSuite. So I remember when our businesses were just starting to really scale. It was amazing and also added complexity and stress. And the things that I used to do in hours were taking days, too many spreadsheets, too many systems, no single source of truth. That sounds familiar. You should know these numbers. 37,000. 25 and 1. 37,000 businesses have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And 1. Because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth, manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow all in 
one place. And right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash goodlife. That's netsuite.com slash goodlife to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash goodlife. Good Life Project is sponsored by Lexus GX. So have you ever owned something that inspired you to just up your game? For me, it was this high-end mountain bike. I love the ultralight frame, the suspension, the precision gearing, and I realized it deserved to be ridden to its full potential. So I started training harder so I could experience the joy it could give back to me. And it paid off. That bike helped me discover just new levels of performance and straight up joy. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Imagine tackling rugged landscapes with the available 33-inch all-terrain tires and multi-terrain select, then unwinding with the available front row massaging seats. This is a vehicle that inspires you to go further to live up to its full potential. So why settle? Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. So let's say you run the experiments, or let's just say like you're ready. You're just like, I'm doing this thing called starting my own thing. And I think a lot of people are there right now. Like we said, like a lot of people are leaving, not just for other jobs, but they're like, you know what? Worst case scenario, I'm going to try my, I'm going to go and do this thing. If it works awesome. And if it doesn't, (laughs) the marketplace is still pretty good. Like I can sort of like go back or move forward, but in a different direction. So they're, they're giving it a try. When people are stepping into sort of like the world of, I'm going to try to create my own thing. What's the dominant narrative that you're seeing in this space about the, quote, right way to do it these days? Yeah. So, well, I think that people are, for me, how I see that is we're we're stepping into a paradigm that doesn't actually fit with our own personal values. And for me, the biggest mistake that I made in building my first entrepreneurial venture was actually doing it alone. You know, I had my husband, but neither of us had business experience or college degrees. And my invitation for anyone who's like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm going to lean in. I'm going to start this thing is not to do it alone. We think that, okay, I'll have all the freedom and be able to have control of my time. But I feel that in any creative endeavor, whether it's starting a business, writing a book, working on any meaningful project that we need people in our corner to support us. And so that was a really big shift for me when I started to build my second business was I'm not going to figure this out on my own. I'm going to actually lean on support versus I can do it myself, you know, because I think part of us leaving one thing to the next is like, all right, I'm free. I This is, I will figure it out. I, I'm resourceful. I'm resilient. And I think that we need to lean in more to having the support in our corner. I love that. It's interesting to me also, because I think like part of the narrative now is sort of like the quote, self-made person, mm-hmm. which is a complete mythology. Like there is no one self-made person, yeah. um, but we like, I think our ego wraps itself around it. And it's like, if this thing actually succeeds on the level that I dream of it succeeding, I want to be able to point and say like, I did that. Yeah. Um, but not only is it never true, but it's also so much more fun if it's more of a, we did that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think there's also not even just the ego, but 
us wanting to have a sense of control. So if you can get it done faster, if you just do it yourself and kind of keeping control of everything that is around you. And we actually have to lean into more of the serendipity and the uncertainty of not knowing every step that's in front of us, but actually leaning on people to have those ups and those downs in that moment. And a high value of mine is collaboration and connection and community. And I just didn't realize that I needed that within building a business. But now I double down 10x my support. And the more projects I do, the more support I realize I like to have, whether it's writing my book or having, you know, I do masterminds and hot seats and just being able to have people cheer and, you know, lean on when things get hard. Yeah. So masterminds, hot seats, things like that. Um, The part of what it seems like has become the culture to a large extent also is, um, and, and you write about this hustle culture, like there's this sense of the right way to do entrepreneurship is push, 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 push until your eyeballs bleed. And the ethos is dominance. You know, mm-hmm. it, is, it, is, it is a heavily misplaced ethos, which is all about, you know, like this is a zero sum game. If you're not dominating and crushing, then you're being dominated and being crushed. And the only way to actually win the game is to outwork everybody on the planet. And that means giving up so much. I mean, is, is that just the lens that I'm bringing to this? Or, or do you see that as like what so many people encounter when they first step into the space? Absolutely. And, and I, I subscribed to the hustle culture as well. Like I, got, I got guilty of it where I was yeah. building a I'm business. I'm raising my hand too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> building a business on love and service and creative expression and then moving into this place where it's, I had defined my enough number as I was building my second business and I was clear, okay, this is how much my ideal lifestyle would cost. And then we reached that number and then I was hungry for more. So I just pushed the goal post a little bit further and then reached that and then further and more. And I just remember people saying, you're sitting on a golden egg, like, you know, you should do this and try this strategy and all of these things. And then you build this, you're already busy (laughs) as an entrepreneur. So now you're building this external to-do list from others who are putting this extra pressure on you to perform, to show up, to kind of reach the next level. And so for me, I had to create my own business detox to step away and not move so fast. I, I just was in this place of I'm not doing enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not a real entrepreneur. There were all these things that just made me feel like I was starting to shrink even though I was trying to expand and scale and grow to the next level when I had already reached where I wanted to be several years earlier. And yet now I'm on this hamster wheel and I can't get off. And so I had to make some pretty intentional decisions of saying no to things to not only help myself get out of the hustle culture, but to help others. Um, I can share an example. I I got invited to attend an event with Richard Branson, Necker Island. And I I remember seeing uh, Marie Forleo and she had a picture next to Richard Branson. And I was like, that's what entrepreneurship means. That is success. And I found myself realizing that I was perpetuating that that's what success looks like. In order to be a successful entrepreneur, you need to be standing in, in a photo with something, someone who is also a very highly esteemed uh, business owner, entrepreneur. And 
So I made an intentional decision to not continue to post those type of pictures of like, that's what success means. And so that was kind of like my initiation into starting to like opt out of that is not the only way to build successfully. We can actually build a lot slower. And something I like to say is give ourselves permission to be a slow cooker instead of a pressure cooker. You know, we get food on the table, the same result, but at a different pace and time and allowing things to simmer, allowing it to rest, allowing things to take a little bit longer, even if it will take you two, three years to get there, that you actually enjoy the process instead of everything just concentrated into this short amount of time. And, you know, I buy into that too, even though I don't always live it or operationalize it in my business. And thankfully, like, you know, like we have like with two companies now and, and teams, they buy into it enough that they will often pull me back to my own values. Mm-hmm. They're like, is this really setting you up to live the way that you want to live or you say isn't like important to you? I'm like, ooh, no, um, thank you. You know, it's nice to sort of be able to share that. You know, it occurs to me also that part of the reason that so many folks buy into like, this is the way to do it. This is the thing to aspire to is because, and also the timing of, you know, like, and it needs to happen as fast as humanly possible Mm -hmm. is that so much of the things that we take in so much of our input these days comes from technology and social. And the speed of that is, is profoundly accelerating, you know, like on a monthly basis, it's literally we're, we're barraged like over and over and over. And so much of, because so much of what happens there is wanting to present a version of ourselves that is admired and respected by other people, that has a secondary effect of saying, but this is the truth. This is the reality. When behind the scenes, I know a lot of the folks who are posting these things and that is not the reality, Um, (laughs) but it sets us all up, but still we all buy into it, Yeah, you know, and we don't realize that it creates a script that's running off and subconsciously, which says like, this is how we have to live. And this is what we have to aspire to too. And it can be just incredibly damaging. Yeah. So something I talk about in the book that I learned from my life coach, Rebecca McLaughlin talks about vitamin V, Mm. which is to validate yourself. And when I hear you and, and me talking about, we're seeing what's happening on social media and we're seeing a certain picture of what that looks like. And it's because we want to feel seen. We want to be validated to know that we are valued. And so we have to turn that when we're looking for something outside of ourselves. How can we start to validate ourselves instead of looking at it from a post on social media to like, look at me, I am worthy, I am lovable, I am doing good, I am being seen and recognized. And so That's the shift that I always have to come, like, what am I looking for out there? What is the intention of this? And how can I point that back to me and bring that sense of validation from the inside out versus looking for it from the outside in? So to me, that's why building a practice of celebration, of acknowledging progress along the way, the micro moments and having people to like, I did this. I celebrating myself or I feel proud of myself. That's something I've taught my daughter, you know, and she's like, look at this, look at this. And I'm like, she's like, what do you think? And I'm like, well, what do you think? And I want her to start to think for herself, to validate herself first. And now she'll have conversations of, I'm really proud of myself. I did this. And then I can say like, oh, I noticed that you were working really hard and you were studying on something that you've never done before. You thought you were going to fail. And 
you did this. And so that it's just kind of training us to start to find that value within ourselves instead of seeking it on the outside. And it's not an easy task at all. I still need that reflection or reminder to do that. But taking some vitamin V, I think, is a very important practice to put in for ourselves. Yeah, I love that. I think it really enforces the idea that um, entrepreneurship or even work in general, it's not something that makes you whole. It's, it is a channel through which you have the opportunity to express your wholeness mm-hmm. or your lack of wholeness. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but it's, it's not the thing that actually plugs the hole and like completes the circle. Yeah. It's more this, this thing that lets you sort of like share it in a meaningful way. Um, when you decide then, okay, so I need to rebuild, but I need to do it in a way which is much more aligned with a lot of the work that I've been doing, who I am. I want to opt out of some of the things that I opted into in, in like the company that I just built and exited. You effectively need to create your an entirely a new philosophy. Like, mm-hmm. How do I do this in a way that feels much more holistic? Tell me about the way that so like you dive into this and what emerges from that reflection. Yeah. yeah. So a philosophy that I've been building for some time and still have to face it at each season of growth is is love over metrics. And that doesn't seem very aligned with business when we we need money, (laughs) we need to reach people, we need conversions and clients and all of that. But I've had to really keep sitting with what does that really mean to me when it's putting people first and then the numbers will follow. But what I notice for myself is I'm always putting that context, that philosophy into business growth community building, being generous and being of service to clients and customers. But I've had to really put that into my own sense of being love over metrics for myself and really unhooking my net worth from my self-worth. Like those are the things. It's like a magnet that keeps wanting to come back. How much money I make, how much, how many people I serve. Like I have to keep unhooking that, that I am not my business. The identity of how much I make does not define my worthiness and the essence of what I bring. So for me, I'm having to continue to build a relationship with myself of like the essence of who I am, not just what I've built and created. And being, for me, I I identify as being a creative, an artist first and a business owner second. And so I have to constantly revisit that message and untangle myself from that because I'm not going to just create one business, scale it, and that's it. I'm a creator. I'm going to keep making meaningful work. And I even face that with working on this book of the marketer hat in me, you know, wants to like make all the strategic moves and lead people through an email sales sequence that has people become customers. And I'm like, I might not even have the same business in two to three years. So I want to build a body of work that is evergreen, that is something that can last the test of time. And it doesn't freeze me into being in just a box of this one person, this one identity. I want space to grow and expand and change over time. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's so important that you connected and also placed or like in first priority, like that creative side of yourself that, you know, like the, the artist side, um, very often that side is very drawn towards, you know, like I, I love to plant seeds and grow them into saplings or like small things, but then there are a whole bunch of other seeds and, and <laughs> you could be really, really happy 
doing one and then another and another and then blessing them on or like letting other people like run with them or whatever yeah. it may be or selling them or and from the outside looking in like you you had happened to you with simple green smoothies people are like how can you do that like you've got like like a hundred times more growth in ten more years like in this brand and this thing that you started you know but it's like you are so tuned in to sort of like the like the the impulse that animates you that you're like yes and yeah <sighs> there's a part of it that really wakes me up in the morning. But it's it's not always easy to center that because sometimes, depending on what that impulse is, people will raise an eyebrow when you really center it in your life because they wouldn't center it in theirs. Yeah. Yeah. It's for me, it's been a reclamation of artistry and allowing myself to remember like, oh, that is the heart of what I do is is art, creativity, expression. That's when I feel most alive, most fulfilled. And I had to prioritize doing activities on my schedule and committing to things that actually weren't about business growth because, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for over 14 years. Everything can turn into monetization and money and my brain can go there. So I have to do some counterintuitive things of, I am just doing this just for the joy, just for the play, just for the creativity, just to be in in relationship with my artist self and not to let that well run dry because it actually ends up always fuels my business growth and my ideas. But when I ignore it, then I get stagnant and I'm not a fun person to be around and I'm not an interesting person that people would want to even work and play with. So I have to really feed myself in that way creatively too. Mm, love that. Good Life Project is sponsored by Lexus GX. So have you ever owned something that inspired you to just up your game? For me, it was this high-end mountain bike. I love the ultralight frame, the suspension, the precision gearing, and I realized it deserved to be ridden to its full potential. So I started training harder so I could experience the joy it could give back to me. And it paid off. That bike helped me discover just new levels of performance and straight-up joy. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Imagine tackling rugged landscapes with the available 33-inch all-terrain tires and multi-terrain select, then unwinding with the available front-row massaging seats. This is a vehicle that inspires you to go further to live up to its full potential. So why settle? Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Part of the thing that you end up building as the next sort of like the the evolution of you stepping back into um, creating and being of service and supporting a family, like you know, like the practical always plays a part of this. You know, yes. like we're, we're both parents. You know, like we're you know, we have families, and we have to think about these things. You know, is you trying to figure out okay, so what's the new model for me? But also building on that, like that original ethos, um, love over metrics to say okay, so how do I actually operationalize this a bit more? Like, is what's a more grand, like what is a frame for this look like where it actually will help really guide, not just you as you're building like the next season of contribution, because part of what you end up building is like offerings that are nurturing and guiding and mentoring other people in their yeah. own journeys in business. How do you actually transmit this in a way that is consistent and thoughtful and actionable? And you land on this on a framework that you shorthand as as love. You have the letters L O V E. So deconstruct this a little bit for me. Yeah, and I just want to say the way that I came up with this framework for the book was actually experimenting and playing and leading these group coaching programs with clients that became my own incubator. It's like I'm holding the space for them to grow and build their businesses while also making sure they have time to enjoy their lives. And I feature a lot of my clients within the book and all of the exercises and tools and questions that I just repeat over and over again. I just started to see themes and patterns, whether I'm working in a group or one-on-one or at a retreat. This book is really holding that you wouldn't you wouldn't have to hire me as a coach if you could just go through this process, book your own, you know, staycation mini retreat to go through that. So it's been such a fun creative, delightful process to get to this place and also really challenging, as you know, writing writing books. Um, so the love framework is just about building with love. So lead is the L and that is about leading from the inside out and really getting clear on what is enough for you. And enough does not put a damper on our ambition. It just allows us to throttle in a way that we can grow at a pace that works for us and that we're also getting really clear on what it is that we really want and putting some meaning behind the metrics. So we can go after the metrics, but why? And so that is really what lead is about. And then optimize is the O and that is about really looking at our identity What are the hats, the mini hats that we wear as caregivers, whether you're caregiving for yourself and your own chronic illness, or you have little ones at home, or you're caring for your elders, but oftentimes we have many identity shifts in our lives and that we have to honor those seasons and look at our time and our energy and capacity of how do we want to spend our days? How do we want to spend our weeks? How do we want to spend how we're showing up inside our businesses and our lives or any type of body of work. And then V is visualize. And that is about turning your dreams, your vision, your ideas into reality, like actually taking action. I always talk about taking imperfect action, 
But this is a call to take visionary action, which is looking at the big picture, the totality of your life life through a holistic lens and being able to actually start to move through the distraction, the stagnancy, the plateaus that come when we're building something. And then E is for expand. And this is about what I was talking about, refilling your well, being able to take care of yourself and pouring from that place of overflow. And also, how do we pace ourselves based on what's happening in our lives? It could be grief. It could be loss. It could be a new loved one. But, you know, how we relate with the world and how do we deepen into building a solid foundation for sustainable growth? Yeah, I love that framework. I want to drop into each one of those four elements a little bit more. So when we talk about leading, you know, I think when most people hear that word lead, they're like, oh, it's like, there's this very traditional context of leadership. Well, it's one person, it's a team or a group of people or a company or whatever it may be. And like you are charged with like taking them from where they are to where they want to be. And it's all about the skill of leadership. And yes, that those things are all important when you're actually trying to create something, especially something from nothing, because there are going to be a lot of challenges and adversity along the way. And and you've got to hold the container, you know, like as you move people and, and help them through it. But you use it in a different context. At least that's my my read on it. Like you're yeah. talking much more about internal leadership, about yeah. less interpersonal and more personal. Yeah. So I think that so often, again, we're kind of looking from the outside in and it's to start to build this self-awareness. And this is something that I've really built in myself of, I know when something is off and is not right and I need to look at it in a deeper context and lens. And so it's really leadership of self and how we interact with the people that we care about, with our loved ones, with our community that supports us. And so it's really looking from that frame of what do I really want? How do I want to lead my life? And then how can my body of work, my business, whatever venture you're building, creating can support that versus us trying to squeeze our lives in to what is already taking up so much time and space. So it's starting with ourselves first and what we're wanting to create and build. I thought it was really interesting also that you kind of started out the conversation around this in the book with something that you referenced earlier um, with effectively detoxing from all of your current assumptions and your current context and your current containers and saying, okay, before I can actually really think about how do I want to like lead my own life from the inside out, I need to re-examine and potentially jettison a yeah. whole bunch of the assumptions that got me here. Because if we don't, you know, like that leads to overwhelm, burnout, yeah. um, and that can stop everything else in its tracks. And that's one thing, kind of my commitment that I learned in, in that part of the book is burnout is not an option mm. in being able to make a decision. So it makes it easier for when we catch ourselves because burnout will happen. It's a stress response. We're overwhelmed, but it's being able to catch ourselves and say, hold on, pause. Something's not quite right. Now we're compromising our health and our relationships. This isn't sustainable. We're staying up too late. We're pushing and it's costing us. It's costing the humans that are trying to, to bring this endeavor forward. And so when you make that decision, then you can start to shift and you 
are your own boss. Like that's that's the beautiful thing, right? Is that you are your own boss. And at the same time, that's the downside too, is you are your own boss. And sometimes you're not that great of a boss to yourself. And so to me, that's a commitment that I like to make with myself, with my family, with my team, is burnout is not an option. So if we start to fill those signals, you know, glossy eyes, we're tired, we're exhausted, then it's like, uh, what do we need to shift? Do we need to ask for more time? Do we need to extend the timeline? Can we adjust? We are in charge here. Uh, I, you know, even with my book writing process, I, my editor was gracious and honored the anti-hustle way in order to push some deadlines. And then there were times where I actually had to like, no more extending the timeline. Now I'm, now I'm in resistance and avoidance and all of that. And that's something that I talk about is us getting caught in the fear cycle Mm. of forcing exhaustion, avoidance, and rigidity. And it's this loop that we will keep playing over and over again, and each one leads to the next. And that is that is the recipe for burnout when we are operating in that place all the time. I mean, what's your take though on, because burnout can often feel like other things, mm-hmm. right? Burnout, it can mask itself and other things can mask themselves as burnout. So like when, like fear versus burnout right? Like the resistance, like yeah. this is like, I'm hitting, take your book, for example, take a business, for example, like take, okay. So I'm hitting a moment where, you know, like honesty is required. Yes. There's some hard things that I need <laughs> to think through or face or grapple with or integrate and then figure out how to express, or there's like in a business, like it's tough conversations or just you know, every, everything that, that we're, we stick to for more than a hot minute, we're going to meet windows where it's just really challenging and hard. Yeah. What's your take on how to distinguish between something that is just either fear-driven or just really hard, but like requires you to sort of like sustain through it versus burnout? Like Yeah. Burnout. So there's a chapter in my book, chapter four in part one called Gather Your Support Squad. And there's kind of three buckets in there, your peers and your colleagues. Then there's your mentors and your advisors, and then therapists, healers, life coaches. So any of those people that are supporting you, who are in your closer inner circle that know you, they're great mirrors when you're not sure, mm. you know? And oftentimes for me, it tends to be, an it could be an emotional block and not a logistical block. It's like, oh, I'm afraid of something. I'm thinking something's not going to be good enough. And just unpacking that, naming those emotions, we don't need another strategy or a tool or a step-by-step blueprint of anything. Sometimes it's just an emotional block. And so having people in your corner, and you can find affordable and accessible ways to get this type of support, but having someone on the outside looking in who knows you deeply, knows your values, knows what you care about, can really help you if you can't see it because you're spinning, you're just spinning, spinning, and you need someone on the outside looking in. You know, they say you can't read the label from inside the jar. And sometimes we just need someone who's just one level removed from us, but not too far out. And this is something that I see people struggle with. They get in a coaching program or something where it's go, it's violating their own values and what they care about. And that can be a recipe for for burnout in itself because you're operating outside of your true values and alignment. Mm, yeah, I definitely rely on people who are close to me, or you know, like, and, and who know, be honest with me, um, yeah. to, to sometimes pull me out. Um, 
you know, what's interesting that as you're, you're talking, like what occurs to me too, and I wonder how you feel about this is that, um, burnout and fear or like the bandwidth that can be consumed by fear-based spin, um, can actually be one of the compounding factors that would lead an otherwise hard situation into a situation that now has pushed you past your own capacity because the bandwidth that's being taken up by your own inner spin is the thing that actually tips you into burnout. Mm -hmm. And if you actually could deal with that and figure out a way to like to, to bring that down, you would actually be capable of moving through the hard thing without tipping into burnout. Does that, how does that land with you? I'm curious. Yeah. Well, I'm just like mental exhaustion, overthinking our way into burnout of repeating the same loop over and over again. And, you know, some of those negative thought patterns, like for me, I have um, what I call patronizing Polly, who's like, you're not doing it right. And I can spin and spin and have that sense of perfectionism, not publish, not put it out there. And it's exhausting just thinking your brain. So I love that you bring that to the forefront, that sometimes it's not even about time and energy, but also paying attention to what are you consuming is because that information overload, whether it's your own information and thoughts about yourself or what you're doing or the information that you're getting from consuming you know, social media or different articles that are kind of putting you in this anxious alert state that sometimes we have to take a break and kind of unplug from ourselves and from the thoughts and and information that's coming because that is that mental loop is very, very exhausting and can definitely take up a lot of bandwidth and capacity and lead to that sense of burnout. Talking from personal experience over here. And probably will be again some point in the future. You know, sort of like learning slowly and then not listening to anything that I say slowly and then having to pay the price for it. Um, yes. The um, the O in your model stands for optimize. And again, I'm struck by the fact that when most people hear that word, they think about system scale. Like let's optimize for efficiency so that we can build this thing as big as it can be. And you don't necessarily say that's not important, but Mm -hmm. that's not what you're talking about here. Yeah. So when we think about systems, you know, sometimes we think it's not very sexy, but it's, it's almost systemizing how we spend our time and being really honest about what matters the most to us in that season. And so for me, I'm looking at how do we optimize our output, our energy, and how we show up in our work. And also getting that logistical support or that human support. You know, I talk about the dream team and being able to have people kind of hold you and free up your time in different and creative ways. So we're not creating these same, as we were saying, the mental loops over and over again that can be very exhausting. So that is a thinking system of how we can think differently about lightening the load on our plates because we we do. We take on a lot. We say yes to a lot. And we really have to look at where are we feeling more energized in our day and where are we feeling more drained and really looking at how do we want to spend our time and not getting caught up in time scarcity, but more of a sense of abundance. And that is us making really clear commitments and also some boundaries of 
I'm available for this. I'm not available for that. Part of the conversation around optimizing, you introduced the idea of sustainable business growth, um, sort of like streamlining. And and this this is where I, I kind of feel like optimizing for your own humanity and your own energy yeah. and your own time meets okay and the business too. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> you know, and you and you you share this idea of like these five different modes. Yeah. Um, that aren't necessarily a linear thing, but it, it's almost like a thing where you you choose where is like the right place to focus at any given yeah. time that's right for both you and the business. Yeah. So I talk about the five S's of sustainable growth, which is share, sell, serve, systemize, and sustain. And that sustain is should be the constant loop that is weaving through all of them as we're thinking about how do we want to show up and serve? How do we want to attract the people that we want to support? And always asking from this place of how can I do this in a way where I am leading with love? So that's the systemization that I'm talking about mm -hmm. in sustainable growth is how do we share with the community that we want to attract in the most loving way? Because that's what sustains us. You know, how do I want to serve? What are the products and offerings? What do I want to sell? And then also the systems. And I'm not just talking about the optimizing systems, but systemizing love within your business, care for the humans that are actually running your company. And then how do we sustain not only ourselves, but also our team who who are part of that front line of, of service. And so to me, it's more cyclical than linear and what needs the most attention in any specific season in your business. And when I share these five S's, it's very foundational business, right? It's like marketing 101, it's growth. and But for me, I think we have to revisit how we do business, how we do work, through an anti-hustle lens. So my invitation is, and even if you're working inside a company and you're an entrepreneur, I actually have many of my clients who run through many of the exercises with their team because I think there's something very powerful in knowing what do your people care about? What do mm. they want? And how could they start to think strategically and help you grow your business too? So I love, I'm like the whole family, everybody is welcome to play here. But we really have to look at that way of, of systemizing love inside our business and doing it without the hustle lens. We've got to go anti-hustle and revisit all of your business foundations, even if you are a company who has scaled and you're growing, but you're also burning out and not even sure if you want to stay in the company that you're in right now. We've got to revisit it from that place. Yeah, I want to touch back into something because as you're sharing this, you know, effectively like operationalizing love into you know, the daily principles and the decision-making that you're doing in the business, some folks may start to, again, be like, oh, come on, really? <laughs> um, and as you're sharing that, you know, like it's reminding me not only of the way that you built your business and the way that you've mentored others to build their businesses, but very recently on the podcast, we had Ari Weinzweig has built this incredible company, the Zingerman's community of yeah. companies around really, really similar principles, you know? Um, he brings a bit more anarchy into it. He brings, but even when he says that, like he's like, it's about like when he says that, it's it's about equality and dignity, not mayhem and chaos, you know. And and here's somebody who's built, you know, and this was his choice. You know, he's built a company that is somewhere between five and seven hundred people and like fifty to seventy million dollars. So these these ideas, and at the same time, people would be like, "Ooh, he scaled into a big business," and yeah. he would tell you, other people have been telling him the whole time. You should franchise this globally and turn it into a multi-billion dollar business. And he's very consciously said, no, yeah. that is not in service of these values. 
You know, so I want, I want to bring it back that these ideas, they may sound light to some mm-hmm. people. They may sound sort of contrary to the way we've taught or thought this is how you build. But in fact, they can be incredibly profound and powerful, not just in your ability to build something at whatever scale feels appropriate for you, yeah. but in the way you feel while you're doing it and the way that, that others feel while they're participating in it. Yeah, there's this this fun exercise that I I do with myself. Even the, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for a long time, but I like to look at career positions and read applications and how that company is positioning themselves, and kind of putting myself in the shoes of if I were to look for a job, which company would I feel drawn to and feel I could be of service of. And I feel anyone would be really lucky to have me on their team if I ended up being there. And I'm drawn to the companies who are valuing contribution and service and taking care of the employees and the team. And so this could be a, just a fun activity for anyone, whether you're, you're not trying to leave your job, but just kind of shop around and look at what are companies putting out there as their company ethos and what they care about and seeing what signals that you're like, I would work for that company. Mm-hmm. It's a really fun practice to play with. And it also keeps me on my toes with my own company and business too, of like, ooh, those are some fancy, some fancy perks that are very human-based and very love-based. And, and that is what draws someone like me and who is a strategic thinker, thinks about the big vision, has, you know, being able to have executive functioning skills and thoughts and how we take care of people in the process too. Yeah. You mean you're not looking for like another ping pong table or another (laughs) another ale on tap in the the cafeteria to keep you uh, engaged in in what you're doing? Um, It is so interesting how that was the culture for so long. And now people are kind of like, hmm. Not quite what I was looking for. I've been there, done that um, more and more. Yeah. One of the other things you talk about um, is visualization. And I think this is really interesting in the context of entrepreneurs, especially because so often in the beginning, if you said, tell me exactly what you want this business to look like three years from now, the honest answer is I have no idea. Mm -hmm. And even if I did, even if I painted a picture, 90% of that picture would be proven wrong, either because it didn't fit the way that I wanted to live while creating that, or the market didn't want it. Yeah. You are a big believer in visualization exercises, but done a bit differently. Yeah. Yeah. So I think one, to revisit the future vision, I remember doing these questions and prompts with you at a retreat and being able to step away and re-envision, reimagine what it is that I really want. I think that's something that we have to come back to over and over again. And and I right now I feel a little I'm it's on my to-do list of all right, I'm ready for my next future vision. I need yeah, to by the do, way, you and me both. Like I'm, yeah. I'm kind of smack in the middle of that right now. <laughs> we need to do a retreat together and just get away, gather the gang and let's do this because I can feel the upgrade. You know, when I look at my current one, I'm like, oh, I've actually already accomplished a lot of these things. So there's kind of the woo side of things, of setting the intention of of what you want to build and create and just releasing it, like truly release it. Don't look at it. Just let it be. There's just a lot of power. They call it encoding when you write something down and then let your subconscious do the work. And then I also have quarterly planning where we're setting more short-term vision of what we want because that's more iterative to the changing landscape, not just of strategy and 
working with the marketplace, but also with your own energy and capacity to learn how much does it really take to show up and deliver this type of project. So for me, I always have my clients write their quarterly plans in pencils because I'm like, you're going to change. You're going to realize this. You committed to too much. There's too many things here. But we start to learn our own natural rhythm of execution and completion. And then that's where we start to build the confidence. So I'm always inviting people to, all right, if that's what you say you want, go ahead, write it down, see how it feels, and then go off and do it. We'll come back in three months and then we'll assess and being able to do, you know, very popularized term of retrospective of what worked, what didn't work, what might we do differently so that this is a more fluid, breathing, living vision of what you're wanting to create or pursue those type of projects that align with that bigger vision that you wrote and released and just see what happens to extend that timeline. Yeah, I love it. It's sort of like a, this thing matters but let's hold it lightly and keep, keep yeah. revisiting it and, and allow it to allow it to grow and change as you grow and change and learn more about like the thing you want to create and also just about yourself and how you want to feel along the way. Yeah. Um, the last element there is, is E expand. And we've talked about a lot of the ideas that yeah. you sort of like bundle under that, you know, it's really about you know, like allowing a self a sense of taking care of yourself along yeah. the way, expanding your own well being, um, really being intentional about the pace you know, that you're working at. Um, and you have one exercise um, in there, that which is writing a letter to your future self. What is this and why is why is that important in this particular part of the, the model? Yeah, so I, I love leading this when I'm doing retreats surrounded by like redwood trees and just out in this expansive energy and being in nature to ground us and immerse us. So if you were to do this for yourself, go, you know, sit on a park bench or go hike up a trail. And it's really writing a love letter to your business, a love letter to your future self, because entrepreneurship or building anything meaningful is is hard work. And so this is an opportunity to really express a, a little bit of a pep talk, or it could also be a sense of humor of being able to catch and remind yourself of, of what you are capable of and what you are stepping into and, and deepening. I think the written word for us to write what it is that we want or what it is that we want us to remember is important to our nervous systems. That pen to paper, that heart to page, is it just allows us to really settle into that and being able to, you know, seal it up and look at it a year from now, two years, three years of just seeing what are the intentions that you want to create and build and what are the pep talks that you need to give yourself along the way to remind yourself of how resilient and capable and resourceful that you are. And so it's breaking up that mental loop, that negative mental loop that we talked about earlier on is really kind of easing that and that wiser self that knows to really talk to that part of you inside your heart and just, all right, let's settle. Let's remember, let's, what are we celebrating and how are we getting there and how are we moving through challenges and struggles and roadblocks that we will, we will face along the way. Yeah. Do you ever do this exercise and then have people tell you, I just can't access that part of myself. Like I can't, you're asking me to write a love letter effectively to my future self. I'm really having trouble accessing that. Yeah. So lots of tears can come up in any retreats that I lead. And I think we tend to fall into two different camps. The people that 
Love the strategy, the steps, the processes. Tell me what to do, what to implement, how to take action. Like, give me it. And they are so happy and joyful. And then there's the visionary types who are like, I don't want to follow the steps. Please don't give me a timeline. Deadlines aren't real. I'm in that department. So dreaming and visioning is really easy for me. So that's why I think if you do struggle with making the time to connect to what it is that you really want or to be able to write a letter for yourself to go into a structured container, even if it's just with a friend and setting the intention, hey, we're going to go to a coffee shop or we're going to stay in a cabin for a couple of nights and hold the space for it to actually happen because that is where the big ideas come from. I think about Lin-Manuel Miranda with Hamilton. It's like, he took his first vacation or not, you know, first vacation in a really long time. And that's where the idea for Hamilton came up. So it's a stepping away from our day to day. And sometimes you need someone, I'm a butt and seat learner. So I need to pay people to like, make sure that my butt is in the seat. Like that's what I did with you. It's like, okay, I'm going to do this because I invested in myself, but you can do that through friendship and accountability as well. So if you find you are struggling with any of those pieces to find that structure, that support, that accountability that can hold you for that. Because I don't do it when I'm on my own. That's it's the same for me. I have to wait till my husband and I have our annual retreat in Lake Tahoe for our annual review or go to a retreat myself because that's where I show up the best for myself as I need to have that structure in place. So if you do struggle with that, then I would just ask for you to find that structure and support. Okay, so now I have to ask a question. That annual retreat that you do with your husband, is that um, a review and a reflection on your personal relationship or in your business relationship? Or like, um, now I'm curious about that. Yeah, so it's all of it. It's such, Mm. and I remember he used to resist it so much and now he's so on board for it and we'll have tears. And now we've brought Zoe into some of the exercises that I share inside the book as well, which is really, really cool. But Truly, the exercises that are in the book, we do on the retreat. Mm -hmm. And so, and what I've learned, so we do our annual review of celebrating our wins from the last year. We're looking through our iPhones and and trying to see what photos and memories we're kind of reminding each other like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. And so it's such a beautiful practice to, and we're dancing. I literally, I make what I do with my retreats for my clients, I'm <laughs> guiding my husband through of like, come on, let's get up, let's dance. What do we want? What do we want to experience? What do we want? How do we want to serve? And so we're brainstorming all the ideas of putting the meaning behind the metrics of whatever it is we want to build. And then we are also, sometimes we do the future vision exercises together. If we need mm-hmm. that update, that upgrade, I've tried the quarterly planning with him, but that's where I lose him. <laughs> That's where I lose him. He's a creative. He runs his own business, but that he just like opts out. So I know to do that with my business besties. And instead, then we start to look into our own relationship as as a family. And, you know, we've been married for 17 years now. So he's more implementation focused. So it's like, all right, we've dreamed, we've celebrated. Now, how do we put this into action at home on a day-to-day basis? And that's where I'm like, Mm, but it's really good. That's how we complete each other. So we start to create some commitments and rituals that we will step into for the new year together as a family. And it's really, it's very beautiful, very sacred. We cry, we laugh. I've got a schedule, like the printout, the timing. I'm, I treat it like a retreat where I'm like, okay, that took us that 
amount of time to do that. So we have enough time to do this. And all right, we're going to take our hot tub break. And it's it's a really beautiful ritual that we do together. Mm, that sounds amazing. Um, I, I may have to take your lead on some of those yeah. things. Um, I'll, I'll send the schedule. <laughs> awesome. Um, so you wrap up with a manifesto, a rally cry, a poem, like verse. And I know that you know, like you have the poet inside of you also. I, I have heard you do spoken word on stages in front of thousands of people. It's this piece called The Builders. It, I don't know if you have the book in front of you. Could I invite you to actually um, share that? All right, let's do this. For the builders. This is for the builders, the bold ones who speak their dreams out loud and continue to face failure. This is for the difference makers and the imperfect action takers. This is for the visionary rule breakers, the wild ones who dream a better world and believe in something greater. This is for the movement starters and the trailblazers. This is for the daring creators. The resilient ones who pave their own path and trust life's flow. This is for the answer seekers and truth speakers. This is for the courageous leaders, the brave ones who won't give up and surrender when it's time to let go. This is for the movers and the shakers. This is for the freedom chasers. The unapologetic ones who are unshakable and have nothing to prove because they are enough. This is for the builders who build with love. Mm, beautiful. And that feels like a great place for us to wrap our conversation. And um, so you know what's coming. Uh, <laughs> as I always ask this final question in this container of Good Life Project, if I offer up the phrase to live a good life, what comes up? Yeah, to live a good life for me is making time to work on meaningful projects and to surround myself with meaningful people. I just know I am most excited, most engaged, most inspired when I am doing creative work and spending time with people that I love. And I, I feel that my day-to-day, -day, how I spend my time truly is a good life of projects and playing with the people that I love. Mm, thank you. Hey, before you leave, if you love this episode, Safe Bet, you'll also love the conversation that we had with Jen Sincero about being a badass at money and life. You'll find a link to Jen's episode in the show notes. And of course, if you haven't already done so, please go ahead and follow Good Life Project in your favorite listening app. And if you found this conversation interesting or inspiring or valuable, and chances are you did since you're still listening here, would you do me a personal favor, a seven second favor and share it? Maybe on social or by text or by email, even just with one person. Just copy the link from the app you're using and tell those you know, those you love, those you want to help navigate this thing called life a little better so we can all do it better together with more ease and more joy. Tell them to listen. Then even invite them to talk about what you've both discovered because when podcasts become conversations and conversations become action, that's how we all come alive together. Until next time, I'm Jonathan Fields signing off for Good Life Project.